Welcome to the EAU podcast. In this edition, we have Ms. Tamsin Greenwell, a panel member on the EAU Guidelines panel for urethral strictures, discussing the management of female urethral stricture disease. What causes female urethral strictures? Female urethral stricture is mainly idiopathic in etiology, and this accounts for about 48.5% of all female urethral strictures. Other causes are iatrogenic, mainly following urethral catheterization, urethral dilatation, or urethral surgery, uh, which causes stricture in about 29.5% of cases, and trauma in about 16.4% of cases. Very rarely, it's related to radiotherapy or infections. It most commonly affects the mid or mid-distal urethra, and these regions are involved in about 58% of all female urethral strictures. Panurethral stricture is very rare. How should female urethral stricture be diagnosed? Female urethral stricture should be suspected in any women with refractory voiding or irritative lower urinary tract symptoms. Women should be examined for scars around the perineum or anterior vaginal wall and or skin conditions that can be associated with strictures such as lichen sclerosis etotrophicus or lichen planus. A flow rate and post-void residual will identify many women with female urethral stricture and in general maximum flow rate in a woman should be more than 15 mils per second. A definitive diagnosis of female urethral stricture can be made on flexible cystoscopy or video urodynamics or voiding cystourethrogram. Video urodynamics has the advantage of not only demonstrating the site and length of the stricture, but also reveals valuable information about underlying bladder function, such as detrusor overactivity, hypocontractility or acontractility, which greatly assists preoperative counselling. For example, if your patient has an acontractile bladder, she may still need to ISC postoperatively and may decide not to pursue a urethroplasty or to go ahead to reduce or eliminate her ISC-related pain, but not be disappointed by having to continue ISC postoperatively. How should female urethral stricture be treated? Patients should be offered all treatment options uh, with a discussion of pros and cons. The EAU guidelines recently published reviewed all of the information and evidence available and concluded that at first presentation, it would be not unreasonable to offer women a urethral dilatation or urethrotomy uh, up to 30 to 41 French. And this gives on average a 35% stricture-free rate at a mean of 36.3 months follow-up. If the patient has a recurrence, it's reasonable to offer repeat urethral dilatation or urethrotomy, again to 30 to 41 French, and then to commence them on weekly intermittent self-dilatation uh, with a 16 to 18 French catheter to maintain urethral patency. This should be continued indefinitely and it gives a 75% stricture-free rate. If the patient suffers a second recurrence or is unable to perform intermittent self-dilatation physically due to body habitat or pain associated with it or psychologically due to past history of abuse, or simply wishes to have a curative procedure, then female urethroplasty is the treatment of choice. What type of urethroplasty would you recommend? Urethroplasty, in its various forms, 
produces strict free rates of 81 to 92%, with no one particular type of urethroplasty being superior. Female urethroplasty techniques can broadly be divided into ventral or distal approach with flap or graft substitutions. In ventral urethroplasty, the ventral urethra, the part that abuts the anterior vaginal wall, is incised at six o'clock along the whole length of the stricture, continuing half a centimetre into healthy tissue at either end. In dorsal urethroplasty, this stricturotomy is performed at 12 o'clock where the urethra abuts the overlying symphysis pubis. Tissue is then substituted into the stricturotomy to widen the urethra. Which tissue is best for substitution? The tissue used can be local flaps such as vagina, labia minora or vestibule or grafts of these tissues or of oral mucosa from the cheek, tongue and very rarely the lower lip. The advantage of local flaps or grafts are that they are plentiful and easy to raise but they are all made of genital skin and not ideally suited for use in the urinary tract and highly likely to undergo atrophy with potential stricture recurrence around the time of the menopause. Oral mucosa is used to being wet and dry and has proven itself to be an excellent tissue for substitution in male urethroplasty. It's also highly unlikely to be affected by the menopause. So which is better, dorsal or ventral urethroplasty? There is much debate about whether the ventral or dorsal approach to the female urethra is better. Proponents of ventral urethroplasty, myself included, cite the absence of the omega-shaped female urethral sphincter at the six o'clock position, making subsequent stress urinary incontinence highly unlikely. And also the ease of access and tissue transfer from a ventral approach. Those who favour dorsal approach wax lyrical about the excellent graft bed offered by the inner aspect of the symphysis pubis. The jury is still out. What are the reported outcomes of female urethroplasty? The recently published EAU stricture guidelines found that there was no significant difference in outcomes both in terms of stricture-free status and adverse effects between all types of urethroplasty although series numbers and number of patients in each series uh, were not large and follow-up was limited with the longest follow-up seen in vaginal flap series. 65 patients had had a ventral vaginal flap urethroplasty at time of the guidelines review, performed a median of 21.5 to 80.7 months previously and had an 81% stricture-free rate and a 7% new onset urinary incontinence rate. 19 patients had had a ventral labial or vestibular graft urethroplasty, a medium of 15 to 24 months previously, and had an 84% stricture-free rate with no new onset urinary incontinence. 27 patients had had ventral buccomucosal graft urethroplasty, a median of 20 to 24 months previously, and had a 92.5% stricture-free rate, free, stricture-free rate with no new onset stress urinary incontinence. And 58 had had dorsal buccomucosal graft urethroplasty, a median of six to 24 and a half months previously with a 90% stricture free rate and no new onset urinary incontinence. 
Are there any adverse effects from tissue harvest for use in substitution urethroplasty? Bulk mucosal harvest can be associated with pain in the area of harvest, reduced sensation, uh, persistence in reduction in maximum mouth opening in about 9% of patients, change in salivary function in 11%, and troublesome contractures along with mucus retention cysts in about 6%. Lingual graft harvest can be associated with uh, prolonged slurring of speech in 8%, paradusia in up to 5.5%, and ventral tongue numbness in up to 18%. Lower lip is associated with contracture in over 25% of patients and isn't my recommended graft of choice. Vaginal flap, as discussed before, can have changes around the time of the menopause and can be associated with inward direction of the urinary stream. Thank you for joining Miss Tamsin Greenwell for this episode of EAU Podcasts on the management of female urethral stricture disease. For further information on the EAU guidelines on urethral strictures, please visit our website www.euroweb.org forward slash guidelines. Further podcasts will be posted regularly on EAU guidelines topics. For more EAU podcasts, please go to your favourite podcast app and subscribe to our EAU podcast channel for regular updates.